This is Mike Roth. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we're going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs, and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspective of what's happening here in the villages and information that I think all villagers should have. We hope to add a new episode every Friday morning at 9 o'clock. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Lee Court to talk about her career and her writing. Lee began her career as a television news journalist, doing entertainment reporting. She moved to being a TV producer, which led to a fateful meeting with a music industry husband. Since then, she's traveled around the world and been backstage during more than a dozen rock tours, including some big names like the Rolling Stones, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, Peter Frampton, Bon Jovi, Queen, Michael Jackson, Fleetwood Mac, Duran Duran, Jethro Tull, Robert Plant, Paul Simon, Neil Young, The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, and others. Boy, that sounds like a total <laughs> history of rock and roll. Lee is also an author, and we're going to talk a little bit about her books today. She does romance novels, including her latest book, which is called Rockstar, which is inspired by her life. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages, Lee. Thank you, Mike. Good to be here. Sounds like you've had a fantastic, fascinating career. How did you first get into television? Well, actually, I suppose you could say it's a long and winding road. I... When I was 16 years old, a junior in high school, I got a job at the local radio station as a disc jockey. Mm -hmm. Loved it so much that I decided to go to college and major in communications journalism. And while I was there, I was also the producer of our sort of in-college nightly newscast for the students. And when I was a junior in college, I won an award from the New York State Broadcasters Association for having so much experience at such a young age. And while I was at the awards ceremony, I met the vice president from ABC Radio Network News, who offered me a summer internship in New York City as a radio engineer. And I sort of, I jumped at the mm -hmm. chance, my goodness. My parents, however, were terribly worried about me. So I had to live that summer at the Barbizon Hotel for Women, because that was the only place that thought I'd be safe. But my job that whole summer, three months, was sitting in a control booth with the director, and in the sound booth in front of us was the newscaster, and the director would say to me, Mike on, and I'd turn the switch to the left, and then she'd say, Mike off, and I'd turn the switch to the right. So for three months, all I did for eight hours a day was turn the switch to the left, switch to the right, and for that, I had to join a union, the NABET, the National Association of Broadcast Engineers and Technicians. But I got a temporary ABC ID card. And that summer, I just went to see everything I could. I went to see game shows being taped. I think it was like the $25,000 pyramid at that time. I went to see soap operas being taped. All My Children was being taped in New York. And I went to see Good Morning America being taped. And like the third time I went to the show, Charlie Gibson, who was the host at that time, came up to me and he said, who are you? I, mm -hmm. I keep seeing you here. And I just stuck out my hand and I introduced myself. And by the end of that summer, when I had to go back to school, I asked him if I could write to him while I was in college. And he said, sure. So 
literally, I wrote to him and literally he answered me a couple of mm-hmm. times. So when I graduated in December, because I graduated a semester early, I wrote to him and I said, can I come in and, you know, just say, hi, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to be looking for a job. I went back to see the vice president of ABC Radio Network News. I stopped in to see Charlie and he introduced me to the executive producer and the head writer and the head writer hired me that day. Literally, my first job out of college was working for the number one morning show in the country. Well, that, that's interesting. It proves my theory that all college students should take internships when they're in college. It certainly worked out for me. <laughs> I uh, hope it works out for my granddaughter. <laughs> Tell her to call me if she needs any advice. Okay. Now, I always like to slip a joke into the show. So, so here's one for you, especially since you, you talked about not wanting to wear headphones because it was going to muss up your hair. How does the moon cut his hair? I didn't think the moon had any hair, but go ahead. He clips it. Oh, boy. Corny joke. That's, that's a groaner, as my husband would say. <laughs> it's part of our Boomer Humor Club. <laughs> Every the second and fourth Friday of the month of the call, where we use scripted humor as opposed to the improv club, which improvises the first four Mondays of the month at Rohan. Why don't you tell us more about how you met your husband since you brought him up? Okay. Well, that's a funny story, actually. My girlfriend Peggy and I, one Friday night in New York, went out to a bar, a local bar, and she was talking to some guy. I was talking to another guy and my guy got a little boring. So I turned to Peggy and asked if I could sort of talk to her and this other guy for a minute. And it turns out that Peggy is a big fan of like 60s oldies music. And Tim said at that time he was the manager of a band called Jethro Tull. And Peggy really had no idea who Jethro Tull was. Me, on the other hand, I'm a huge fan. I mean, if you remember Aqualung, locomotive breath. So Tim and I talked a long time about rock and roll. And it took me about two weeks to get Peggy to talk to me again, because she kind of thought he was cute. But she came to the wedding. So I guess she finally forgave me. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, your husband has worked with some big name bands. Yeah. Which one was uh, your favorite? I would have to say my favorite would be Pink Floyd in 1994. And that turned out to be the last tour that they ever did together. It was an amazing experience because while we were in Prague, the Czech Republic, the president at that point, Václav Havel, invited the band and the entourage to come and have dinner at the presidential palace. So that was a memory I'll never forget. So I would say that Pink Floyd, of all the bands that my husband has worked with, they were my favorite, mostly because. I had been such a huge fan of theirs. Mm-hmm. And you've been all over the world touring with the bands. Where is your favorite place? Well, I've visited about 29 countries, and I would, I have sort of, I would say the most memorable place that I've been to would be Cuba in 2016 with the Rolling Stones. The band gave a free concert for the people, and 800,000 people showed up. That was an amazing memory. Just My, a small crowd. Just a small crowd. 
I would say my favorite place that I've ever been to on tour would have to be Prague in the Czech Republic. I was there in 94, as I said, with Pink Floyd and also in 2017 with the Rolling Stones. Prague is a beautiful city. I don't know if you've been there, but I guess legend has it that in World War II, it wasn't bombed because it was so beautiful. It was like built in the 1300s or 1400s. I think the 1300s. And it was fashioned after Paris because they have the Voltava River, which runs right through the city. And there are many bridges across it, like in the Seine in Paris. There's a, I, they have a beautiful old town square. And one of my favorite things is there's an astronomical clock in the middle of the town square that was built in the 1400s by this gentleman called, I think his name was Hanush, like in 1410 or something. And it was so amazing and so beautiful that the city council ordered his eyes to be gouged out because they didn't want him to build another clock like that anywhere else in the world. So, <laughs> what an awful reward. I know. The poor guy couldn't work, I guess, obviously, ever again. So he sort of got his revenge one night by going up to the top of the clock tower and throwing himself into the gears, which... Oh. Yes, resulted in not only him killing himself, but also stopping the clock for a couple of decades. Mm. Uh, but it is the, the longest continuously running astronomical clock in the world. That's interesting. And I guess Japan, too, would be another place that I really enjoy because of the cultural difference. I mean, I love the Japanese gardens, the you know zen of the Japanese tea ceremony. And the Stones actually had rehearsed there for a month before one tour. They played at the Tokyo Dome, so I actually had the chance even to take Ikebana flower arranging classes because we were there so long. That was a great experience. Mm -hmm. How did you become a romance novel writer? Well, after I left Good Morning America, I was a, a reporter for an NBC station, and I covered two particularly gruesome deaths in one week. I say one really bad week at work turned me into a romance author, and it's true. I got home at the end of that week and I said, all I do is bad news. I was 27. I picked up my first romance novel. I read it that weekend. And at the end, I thought, wow, this has a happy ending. This is cheaper than therapy. And then I thought, why don't I try and write one of these? I mean, I write basically a whole story in a minute 30 every night for the six o'clock news. Let me see if I can write a, a romance novel. So I wrote a historical, sent it off to Harlequin, immediately got rejected. But I did eventually sell another histor historical story to Red Sage Publishing. And then I'm off to the races. I have about 12 books out right now, and my latest is Rockstar. Why don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit more about your, your latest book called Rockstar? Well, it's a fictional story, of course, but all of the details about life on the road and touring are accurate. In my story, the lead singer is called Sebastian Rowe, and he shot on stage during a concert. There's a therapist called Mia Merrill who is brought in to help him deal with his stage fright so he can get back on stage, but only Mia knows that she is the reason that Sebastian was shot. The so therapist. she takes... Yes, yes, that's, you have to read the book. So she takes him on basically out of guilt and a need to atone. But just as they start making progress on Sebastian's PTSD, the shooter announces that he's back to finish the job. So it's sort of part thriller, part romance, and definitely a peek behind the crazy, glamorous rock and roll world. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Kobo, iBooks, wherever you buy your books. Mm-hmm. 
was that a self-published book or that was my first self-published book and i'll tell you why because i'm i'm totally an author who believes in hybrid publishing i don't think you should put all your eggs in one basket i am traditionally published by four different publishers but this was the first one that i self-published because i did have an offer from a publisher Mm -hmm. but she wanted me to change certain things and frankly this is basically the story of my life not that i know a rock star who was shot on stage but I did not want to change it because I wanted everything to be so accurate. So this is the first one I self-published. Mm-hmm. Are you happy? When did it get released? Uh, it was out in January of 2021, I think. Probably a good time. Yes. Well, everyone was home during COVID and needed something to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how happy are you with the... Uh, number of copies that have been sold. Oh, I'm very happy. It actually won an award. It won a Holt Medallion Award, which is H-O-L-T, which is Honoring Outstanding Literary Talent, which is one of the biggest awards in my romance world. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy with that. How many romance books are, are published every year? Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I mean, romance is the biggest category seller year after year. Bigger than any mysteries, crime anything. Romance is always the biggest seller year after year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think people want to, some people want to escape into a story that's guaranteed to have a happy ending. That's why I write romances, because I had that terrible week at work, and I thought, all I do is bad news. So I want people who read Lee Court books to know that if they pick up one of my books, they're going to have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Cincinnati, when I was doing the, the podcast there, Cincinnati Business Talk, I had a a lady author on who, in her regular job, was uh, an expert in employee testing. And she wrote a, I'm going to call it a murder mystery love story novel. And it did very well. But I kind of put that in the back of my mind that she was the only author I had talked to in that genre in the 300 shows that we did. It's funny, I know a, um, a divorce lawyer who turned romance author, and that's that's what drove her to be a romance author, when she dealt with so many awful divorces. Okay. I was thinking of a male divorce lawyer. No, no. That would be truly unique. <laughs> well, Lee, I want to thank you for being on the show, and for those people who are interested in our continuing uh, interviews in the bonus content Lee and I are going to talk more about her book Rockstar and uh, as a bonus subscriber you get early access to all shows there's usually about four to six shows in the queue and those shows are guaranteed never to have commercials in them thank you Lee thank you very much for having me here Mike remember our next episode will air live next Friday at 9 a.m or should I say pre-recorded, but that's when it will be released on our regular subscriptions. Bonus subscribers can get early access to episodes. Should you want to become a sponsor of the show, contact me at MikeRoth at RothVoice.com. If you know someone that you think should be on the show, send me an email at Mike at RothVoice.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyright by Roth Voice 2022, all rights reserved.